John Lindorf is in the studio for the first Radio Nibbles of the summer with a well-preserved guest, Darren Cook of Boulder Fermentation Supply. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, welcome, uh, everybody out there um, in uh, KGNU land. Um, and uh, hope you got through the, the hail and the thunder and everything else last night and that your gardens uh, survived uh, because... Uh, you know, it's looking like a great year for uh, all kinds of crops because of uh, all the rain. And uh, you got to find a way to, to save that stuff so that uh, you can you can enjoy it later. Uh, my guest today is uh, Darren Cook, who, uh, who works at Boulder Fermentation Supply, which is a really unusual uh, store in Boulder. Uh, but... Um, you welcome welcome to uh, KGNU. Thanks. Um, how did you uh, you you've ended up uh, teaching about fermentation, fermenting foods yourself, and uh, you know a lot about it? But so how did you get into uh, food preservation? Very young. The first food I remember ever tasting in my life as a kid was kimchi. My dad was spent a lot of time with the military out in Korea and when he would come back uh -huh. he kind of had a hard time eating the general American diet and would start making kimchi first thing as soon as he got home and so I started making that with him at a very young age and that was kind of my my introduction to it. So you made uh, different kinds of ferments at home and stuff? Yep. Yeah he'd get home and we'd get some cabbage some bok choy and the garlic and onions and all the typical kimchi spices and make a batch of that so it'd be ready in a week or two so you 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 didn't think it was weird because it was what your family ate yep right um along the way you've done a lot of different things that are sort of related uh you were a farmer yes for a while. yep spent some time farming out on the east coast and then when i was moving back to colorado stopped along the way and farm handed at different places and then ended up working and living out at 63rd street farms here in gun barrel and um You've also uh, developed in a, a, a strong interest in um, mycology. Yep. One of the farms that I lived at out east was Sharondale Mushroom Farm, and I helped out in the mycology lab and kind of ran all of the commercial grow side of things. And so now uh, you work at the store, but you also lead uh, mushroom hunts, huh? Yeah, Forest. and do some, some guided foraging trips focusing on edible and medicinal plants and mushrooms. And uh, uh, before we came on the air, you were saying you were just out in your, out in your backyard, uh, looking around, and uh, and what did you see? Yeah, I was out there weeding, and realized this year I've really, really spent a lot of time focusing more on the plants since it's such a green year, and there's a lot of things that are a little easier to identify, and some things that I just really never noticed before because they were maybe smaller or less lush. But because it's been a been a good year, I've started finding a lot of neat things. The like, one that I picked to ferment the other day was lamb's quarter and karash. I've got a kind of garlicky greens sort of kraut that I like to make every year and figured this year I might as well use the wild stuff instead of kale or spinach from mm -hmm. the grocery store. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, about fermentation because I, I don't think everybody realizes how how incredibly critical it is well uh, it, it may be that you know uh, humankind would not have survived if they hadn't figured out how to ferment and pr preserve food um, but also most of the the things that we enjoy most in life involve fermentation coffee chocolate 
bread, wine, cider, mead. You can probably add a few more. Yeah, that sums up the most common ones. There's also, you know, prosciutto and different types of salami, fermented meats. A lot of times mm. people don't realize that those are fermented and cured with a, with a type of mold on the outside that does a lot for them. And um, uh, initially people, I, I'm sure, you know, a lot of what you end up doing at the store uh, involves uh, beer. Yeah? yeah, beer's the most common. But uh, tell me about some of the other things that you you can um see the thing is you can read it it's like uh, pie recipes online you know, this is a million of them but what you really need is somebody who's experienced to say well this is how you make kombucha and watch out for this and you know you someone you know but there's there's live uh, help there but uh, you have you have supplies for making a, a pretty wide range of fermented foods Yes, absolutely. We can teach you how to ferment pretty much anything under the sun. Like? Uh, let's see. Some of the stranger ones would be water kefir. Kombucha is a real weird one, but that one's becoming more common. So more of the general public is is getting familiar with it. I'd say uh, sourdough is another one that we carry a lot of cultures for and is pretty uh -huh. popular. But uh -huh. most of our customers are focusing on the, the beers and the wines and the, uh -huh. the kimchis. The interesting thing you were telling me was that, I mean, you carry an incredibly wide range of yeasts yeah. uh, for making beer. But all of those yeasts can be used to make bread. Yes, they can. Really interesting bread. I yeah. Bet. Yeah, there's some... Some certain yeasts that tend to carry a, a more intense flavor of their own, such as ones used in Belgian ales. They end up having a little estery, peppery, sometimes banana sort of mm -hmm. notes on them. And I've, my roommate is a pretty big baker, and so I've been sharing those with him. And he's made some, some breads that end up carrying those notes through, which is unlike anything mm -hmm. I've tried yet. How cool. So um, there's a ton of vegetables that are about to arrive. They're, they're coming in now. Uh, peppers and... Uh, zucchini and uh, everything else let's let's start with the the simplest way i mean uh, the simplest way to preserve some things of course is just you know throw it in the freezer so you have it in october to make a uh, rhubarb pie or whatever um but um what's what what what's the simplest um uh, let's talk about pickles all right, that's definitely the easiest way for people to start. You really don't need anything except for a clean jar, whatever vegetables you're trying to ferment, and some salt and water. Non-iodized salt is important, but this is what's called a lacto-ferment. There's a bacteria, lactobacillus bacteria, present in and on pretty much every vegetable known to man, except for alums, uh, onions and garlic. Mm -hmm. And... With that, you put it in a in a brine or a water and salt solution that pretty much keeps away any sort of spoilage bacteria or fungus or anything else that would make it go bad. And then it allows those lactobacillus bacteria to prosper in that environment. And once you get a, a large enough colony of those, that colony will outcompete a lot of other spoilage organisms that could land on it. So to do that, you're just adding salt and water to your vegetable, chopped up right. You want a two. So point you heat it. You you heat the brine. No, no heat. You don't want to heat it. So mm. a lot of times, I won't even mix the brine until I've I've really figured out how much water the vegetable has. So you chop down the cabbage. You salt it in layers as you're chopping and adding it to your to your working bowl. So if you're making like kraut. Yeah, exactly, and then. Sometimes it helps to massage it or beat it up a little bit, and the salt will actually draw the water out of the, out of the cabbage or out of most vegetables. And that produces uh, crispness. Yep. 
And at that point, you it should produce enough liquid that once you're stuffing it into your fermentation jars or whatever crock you're mm -hmm. using, you shouldn't have to add much water. And the goal is to get the, the brine percentage to about 2.5 to 5% salinity. But the saltier it is, the crispier it'll be, and the longer it'll last. Hmm. Um, where's uh, Boulder Fermentation Supply? It's like it's kind of in an obscure location. It is. It's in the industrial district over off of 47th Street, which is sort of the frontage road next to hmm. Foothills. And it's attached to uh, a brewery. Yeah, we are also Vision Quest Brewery. So we started as a fermentation supply store hmm. and had to grow. Hmm. So the big thrill is you can go in, talk to Darren about fermentation while you're drinking a beer, <laughs> which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, we got to wrap this up. We could have talked for an hour about this, uh, but folks, you can you can find out more about fermentation uh, from Darren down at the store. Shannon. Well, what can we find out about in your nibbles column this week? Um, I launched into a, a deep dive into the Michelin star thing. They're going to be giving out those stars to uh, Boulder restaurants potentially, and I sort of look at the the positive and the the negative side of that today and uh, nibbles. Dan, we're going to put you on the spot. What's the best thing you've had to eat lately? Ooh, I'd say Ethiopian food down in Denver, Africana Cafe, the Kitfo is my favorite, and uh, eaten with uh, injera bread, which, which is, is also uh, fermented. It's fermented. Well, John, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hear next week. You'll have some special guests as well from talking about Boulder County food insecurity. Yes, we have uh, guests from uh, Meals on uh, Wheels, and uh, there really is a, a growing uh, problem for a number of different reasons, and we're going to jump into that in depth next week on Radio Nibbles. <laughs>